Hey guys, it's Lindsay. On this episode, we are talking about the permanence and power behind your words. I'm sure that many of us can think back to a time when we used words that we wish we could have just swallowed or completely taken back. Today, we want to talk about choosing your words wisely, being aware of your sharp or critical tongue, and how you can offer life-giving words to the people that you love and even strangers around you. We hope that this episode encourages and blesses you today. Also, if you haven't rated or reviewed us, please take 30 seconds to do so before you start this episode. Just scroll down and rate and write a few words as a comment. This helps other women to hear the hope of the gospel and receive a little bit of encouragement before their day begins as well. Now, let's jump in. You may not always see it, but there is a lot of sweet in every mess and in all of the mundane. Exodus 3.8 is a promise to deliver us from the brokenness of life into one filled with hope. We are here to remind you of God's faithfulness and how His love can lead you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Join us, Lindsay and Amaris, as we get raw and share practical wisdom for all things marriage, motherhood, faith, and womanhood. So grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. This is the Milk and Honey Podcast. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast. This is Lindsay and I'm here with Amaris. Hey friends. And today we are here to talk about words. So we've all done it. We've all sent that impulsive text message that we wish that we could unsend. We've offered a reaction instead of a response in a heated argument with that family member. We've yelled at our kids without taking a second to breathe, and we've made that passive-aggressive comment toward a coworker or behind their back. How many times have you wanted to hit rewind on your words? I think sometimes, at least for myself, we need a little refresher on the importance of the power of the words that we use. I have to often remind my toddler Sutton that Ephesians 4 calls us to be kind and compassionate to one another. And it's one of the verses that he's actually memorized and he's used it against me quite a few times. He used it against me today. He says, mom, the Bible says be kind and compassionate to one another. I mean, it's important. I love that he's able to kind of call me on the carpet, if you will, and speak truth. And that's just one of the great things about children memorizing scripture is that they have that instilled in their hearts um, and they can speak it out loud. But I have to remind him of that often as well. And I also feel like a broken record um, when I talk to him about God's call in Colossians. And it says to let our conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone. And we need that reminder always full of grace. Can Mm -hmm. you say that your conversations to your spouse, to your children is always full of grace? It's a challenge. That is a challenge that God has given us. And we can find ourselves desiring to do that and waking up in the morning and getting in the word and then saying, I'm going to do great today, Lord. Like I'm going to live in the spirit and I'm going to be kind. And then that person cuts you off or somebody's texting in their car, not paying attention, and you find yourself uttering words that you shouldn't say. There may not even be cuss words, but just unkind words. And something that I've realized is that just because they don't hear what you're saying in that next car or behind someone's back when you're gossiping, 
it doesn't mean that that doesn't dishonor God. It does dishonor God. Your words can dishonor God. And your children hear it and your friends hear it and your spouses hear it. You are pouring into these people with your words without even potentially realizing it. Words are permanent. They have an impact on the people around us. They have an impact on our hearts. The way that we speak throughout the day does a lot for the way that we perceive the day. If we are waking up in the morning and we're negative and we're bashing this person, that person, and we're victimizing ourselves, it's common that the rest of our day and the trajectory of our day will be negative. But if we speak life and we wake up in the morning thankful and grateful for the things that we have and we speak kindness to the people around us, It's typical that we will find that our day goes a lot more smoothly because the state of our hearts is much different. Right. And I know that I'll never personally be able to wholly mend the negative effect and the lasting impression that negative words have had on myself and the people that I love. They don't go away. There's this permanence, whether it's on social media, they're tracked forever, like you can find them forever. Or if you've said harsh words or unkind words or discouraging words to someone, they last. They last in their mind. And I think we can all go back to a time, my mind goes back to high school and I could probably list off a hundred things that were said by mean girls or words that I said that have never left my mind and that I had allowed to dictate a lot of my life growing up um, because I believed those people. I believed them and what they had to say. Yeah, I can totally identify with what you're saying. There has been so many times where people have said things about me and I've taken those opinions and attached them to my identity. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, Amaris is really harsh or she's really critical. And no matter how much I had changed or softened the words that I had said towards people, I had taken other people's words of me and attached them to my identity. So it had made it so much harder for me to even see myself differently. As we are going through this episode, we want to make sure and encourage you guys to think about, okay, what words have been spoken over you that may have been attached to your identity? You know, that I'm stupid. You're you're never going to be successful. That no one loves you. You know, words that could possibly have attached to your identity. But then also, what words have you spoken over somebody else that have been unkind, that have left your mouth, that are a reflection of the things that are in your heart? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and it's true. And like I said, it's... I feel like there's this rewind button that we all wish we had because it's a problem of allowing these words to spill out without taking a second to pray about the words that we're about to speak because we're in the heat of the moment. And one of the things that I used to justify in myself was it's okay to say that to them because they're treating me like this. And I justified those words and those actions because I felt like this person shouldn't be able to talk to me this way. They shouldn't be able to speak this way. And if they hadn't said that, then I wouldn't say that, you know? Mm -hmm. And what I have learned is that what is in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. And, And I always think of it this way. If you have a bowl and it's filled with water and you tip that bowl out, then water comes out, right? But if you have an empty bowl and you tip it over, 
then nothing comes out. And it's the same with our hearts that if somebody pushes our buttons and digs at us and says something that's harmful or hurtful to us, that we in turn feel like it's justified. It's okay to say this. Or we think the only reason that I'm saying these things is because this person attacked me. But the truth is what's in the heart flows out of the mouth. And what you say is what is in your heart. If you have bitterness or anger or just sin or jealousy, when your button is pushed, what is in your heart already is going to flow out of your mouth. And so you have to be aware of those things that when you say something, when you're driving and you catch yourself saying something, you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Or to your husband, when you're in an argument and you lash out and these passive aggressive comments come out or these very hurtful, sharp comments. And hopefully when you speak to your spouse, and I will just say that you are never calling them names, screaming at them, cussing at them. Like all of these things are incredibly sinful and disrespectful and you just have to be aware. What I'm speaking of specifically is you know, those cutting remarks or passive aggressive things or manipulative remarks, any of those things, that is a heart issue. Right. Yeah. It can be a subtle tendency of our words that are a reflection of our heart. You know, like we're not talking about these massive things. Oh, clearly if you cuss someone out, if you, you know, hit someone, you know, like Mm -hmm. those are clearly a manifestation of sinful behavior within the heart and real healing that needs to take place. But we're talking about subtle tendencies here like passive aggressive comments, sarcasm, below the belt comments, bringing up someone's history even when they've already apologized for it. Little things like jokes that are hinting or attacking someone's insecurities just because you really are just wanting to hit them right where you know it'll probably hurt, but not enough to where you may get in trouble. So it's these subtle tendencies, subtle words that you know are not seasoned with the love of Christ that we are called to operate in as Christians. We're, you know, we're not called to live like that. We're not called to speak in ways that are malicious and ill intent towards our loved ones. Mm-hmm. And it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to speak so freely to the people that we're closest to, freely in a bad sense. Like there is freedom in the openness and vulnerability we have with somebody. But on the flip side, the enemy uses that freedom to give us this quote unquote permission to speak harshly in a way that we would never speak to anyone else. In one of C.S. Lewis's books, he speaks about that. He talks about how we as human beings tend to show our worst side to the people closest to us. And then we put on a smiling face when we're walking the streets and see these neighbors and these acquaintances. But the tell-all, you guys, is who you are when you're behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. If you had a video camera in your house and people heard the words that you were speaking to your spouse or saw the text messages that you were sending on an angry day, or they heard the tone of voice that you spoke to your children in, would you be proud of that? Do you feel like that's honoring God? And I think that's what it all comes down to is you are honoring or dishonoring God with your words every time you speak. Like he says, we are called to have conversations that are full of grace so that we may know how to answer everyone. It's a calling. It's a command. Mm -hmm. James 3, 5 through 6 says, 
Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire. And just like we were talking about with the identity, taking on this identity that people have spoken over you in high school or middle school, I mean, with bullying, this is a huge thing and it follows you throughout life. Yeah, for me, I am the most cautious, honestly, with my loved ones because I'm super afraid of them rejecting me. Like at the core of my heart, one of my biggest struggles is the fear of rejection from my closest loved ones. So like my husband, my family, my closest friends, the people that I have really let in to my circle, I'm really careful around them with the things that I say because one, I really do love them, but also I am afraid of being rejected by them. So for me personally, the person that I'm the harshest to and the most mean to is myself. Mm. Like the dialogue that I have with myself is, you're never going to be good enough. No one will ever love you. God's grace is going to run out on you. Like the dialogue that can go on within my mind is by far the harshest to myself. And I see this as a manifestation in my words towards myself. You know, I'll say these things to people and they'll have to correct me and say, Amherst, that is, that is not from God. And so people will correct me. And I think that that is as well a true reflection of what's going on in your heart. And that's what we're saying is that, yes, the words that you speak towards other people, but what words are you speaking towards yourself? What is going on with the words in your heart, with the dialogue in your mind that is manifesting itself in the words that you're saying to yourself and to others. Mm. Yeah. I think that we're similar in that, Amherst. And I think we see that in our relationship, that we are our own worst critics. And I think a lot of the time we believe lies from the enemy about who we are and our lack of ability because we kind of play that out even in business where we're beating ourselves up and you will encourage me and vice versa because we just struggle with – we have such high expectations of ourselves right. and of this this calling on our lives that we then beat ourselves up when we don't meet those expectations. And one thing that has helped me and any of you, if you all struggle with this as well, which I feel like especially women, we are so hard on ourselves – which isn't a bad thing. It isn't a bad thing to have a high standard to live a godly and righteous life. Right. But when it becomes something that is where you're condemning. relying on, right, condemning and you're relying on your own strength, that's when it is empty and it doesn't help you to be sanctified or pruned for God's glory. So one thing that I've done that has really helped me is writing down these specific lies. The specific lies I believe about myself when I'm sharp-tongued toward myself or when I get into an argument with someone and I'm thinking they think the worst of me or I have a very toxic relationship in my life that I have to do this with often. I have to write down the lies I believe about that person and then I have to counteract that. And next to it, I will write down the truth of what God says. So it may not be anything aside from bless those who curse you. And that is what the Bible says. For me in my lies, I'm saying, I deserve to speak my truth. I deserve to tell them what they're doing. I deserve to be as harsh as they're being. And then the verse that I put right next to all of those lies, bless those who curse you. And in that, like you know that God is the ultimate judge. 
But it's so easy for us to get into our minds and to think we are justified to make these comments or we're justified to condemn ourselves and to live in that condemnation and to sit in it and become victims of that condemnation. And God says, no, but I'm here to bring you life and I'm here to bring you hope and I'm here to bring you joy. Right. And James 3, 5 through 6 says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire. And so just as we were talking about middle school and high school, if you've been bullied, you know this feeling that these words that come at you, they last. And a spouse's words that make you feel small and a coworker's words that make you feel as if you're not living up to potential or expectation and it starts as a small spark. It's just a word or a few words, right? But then it turns into a fire that could burn a whole mountain down because it enrages you or it hurts you and defeats you and makes you feel broken and less than. And we have the same power to do that to other people. And that could be gossip. I mean, gossip is a thing. It is a thing in Christian circles during Bible studies. We've talked about this a little bit on past episodes, but there are things that we say behind people's backs that get back to them. Most of the time, they end up getting back to them. But what we're saying about other people reflects more on us than it does on the people that we're talking about. And the words that you have said do not just evaporate into thin air. They can genuinely and truly alter the course of someone's life, as little as you might think it is. I was listening to a teaching a while back, actually, and one of the pastors said that he made a comment to a girl in a, in a joke with his friends, and it was very small to him. And he later found out that she was in the hospital with bulimia because of a comment that they made about how she ate. I mean, and for him, he said, it was an innocent comment, but we don't know the impact that we can make on people. A lot of the time, what we see in our closer relationships is that these big problems we experience, like the life-altering challenges in our relationships, they don't come from one major source most of the time. Instead, it's the buildup of the little things that slowly eat away at us. And I believe that more often than not, it can be the very simple words said aloud in the wrong tone, at the wrong time, or with the wrong heart that will begin to truly rot a relationship at the core. Yeah. So to give some personal examples, there are two significant stories that I'll share Actually, three. Let me give three significant stories that I'll share. (laughs) Okay, the very first time that I ever remember being bullied was when I showed up to ballet in like the fourth or fifth grade. I was homeschooled, had no fashion sense, and was wearing this striped sweater. It was like very vibrant in color. And I didn't think anything of it. I got it for Christmas. But in ballet, they just called me striped the whole time. And I remember like leaving, crying, and was so embarrassed about my clothing. And it was like the first time that I had ever really felt bullied or embarrassed, began to shape the way that I saw myself and the way that I had to dress. Because up until then, I was like 
a total free spirit. And then going on to that, I mean, I was a really, really late bloomer when it came to puberty. And so I didn't even get my period until I was 15. So I, or not 15, 16. I didn't get my period till I was 16 years old. And so I didn't even grow breasts until I was in high school. I was like mm-hmm. totally flat chested in all throughout middle school. And there were like times where people like really pointed that out, like called me flat chested, called me a lot of different things. And that really began to shape my identity. And so those were some examples of like negative things that people said about me. But mm-hmm. then as I became a Christian, there are moments that changed the trajectory of my life because women that were farther ahead of me spoke things over me that I was like, I am going to grab hold of that truth and believe it. Like one of the first times I asked to speak, you know, like we have these women's conferences at our church and I was like 17 years old and I was like, I want to speak. And I asked for permission and my pastor um, she was like, shaped that. Like she, she believed in the fact that I was fearless in asking. Um, and so she spoke that over me that no Amherst, you keep asking, you be fearless. You do not risk failure, not be afraid of failure. And so she shifted my, my direction. And to this day, she is championing me in everything that I do. But because of the words that she speaks over me and speaks into my life, I feel continuously empowered to continue to move forward. And so that's the opportunity, you know, that we have the opportunity to either be someone who makes someone feel flat chested and like they're never going to get a man or to like speak and to believe in their future and to call forth the things within their life. Like we have the opportunity to see oh, wow, she's really gifted in writing or she's a really good speaker or, and like seeing the things that people are gifted at and encouraging and calling those things forth. We have the choice and opportunity every single day. And this is the the first thing that we really want to say to like help you guys be practical on how to apply this is that we have the choice and opportunity every single day to breathe life into our relationships, no matter how damaged they may seem. And I am the walking fruit of that. Like I came as a believer, as this very broken, insecure young girl that had not even gone through puberty yet. And the women in my life saw something in me that I didn't see. And they breathed that into me. Like they saw my calling in me before I was even able to see it. And they called that forth. And that is the opportunity that we have and are capable of doing when we are around other people. Yes, that is so true and so good. And I have been super blessed to have women who do the same in my life. And sometimes we have to pursue those women. We have to ask them, will you mentor me? You seem like an amazing godly woman who just knows what she's talking about. And will you speak truth to me? Will you pour life into me? But I just want to encourage that this breathing life into people thing, it is not hard. You know, it is those small comments that you make to someone at Starbucks or in the grocery store to say, wow, your kids are so well-behaved or wow, you are doing such a great job as a mom. Like how easy is that? And that breathes life into people. One thing that I would like to ask you guys graciously is when was the last time that you felt it on your heart to lift someone up with a compliment? 
and you didn't do it. And I ask this because a lot of the time it's either a fear of being embarrassed or just feeling silly that we don't say something to someone who deserves to hear it, or it's a matter of our own hearts that we see someone beautiful and we don't want to tell them they're beautiful because we're jealous. Or we see someone in the same career path or a coworker who's doing a really great job and they might be doing better than us in that season and we don't want to give them that praise because we want it. We want what they have. Or we don't give our spouse that compliment because we think, well, he didn't compliment me or he hasn't complimented me in forever. So why would I compliment him? And that's a trickle down effect. It just becomes dominoes. You don't compliment someone. You don't give praise, especially in a relationship that you're close to. You can't be an encourager. You don't rejoice with those who rejoice. And you start to see the separation grow. And the thing is, God has given these people that gift. He has given them that ability and that opportunity or that beauty. And it's something that we can be thankful for and give praise to because of who God is. It's not even because of that person. And I try not to give shallow compliments like about appearance or clothing or whatever. But if that's something that draws your attention, then say it, speak it. If you see someone with a gift, speak it because you're not necessarily praising that person. You're praising the gifts and the beauty and the heart that God has given to them. And First Thessalonians calls us to use our words to build people up. So who are you building up? Who are you saying, You're doing a really great job. It's amazing how much a relationship can blossom when two people are willing to encourage one another, support one another, and build each other up. Not supporting, not praising, not rejoicing with those who rejoice. Those relationships, they separate quickly because especially for people who are working hard towards something and they're excited about something, if you can't be on board with them and you can't uplift them with your words and offer encouragement, it can break them. It can make them feel like they're not enough because they see that you know they're doing something that they're passionate about or that they're happy about or they're building a family. And if because of the state of your heart, you're struggling with where you're at, you're not able to build them up, it destroys. Right. You know, so many women reach out and they say, you know, how do I build friendship and how do I make, just make friends in this new season that I'm in? And it's a very simple thing. It's just be nice and be an encourager. I mean, if you read the book, How to Win and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, I believe that's his name. Some of the simplest things are like smile and It's so true. No one is smiling. And I'll like go out in public when I go to Starbucks or anywhere. I really, really try hard to put my phone away and look people in the eye and just smile at them because no one gives that type of recognition any longer. Mm -hmm. And it's like these simple things where you're able to identify in someone, like just encouraging them, like calling people by their name. But even like Lindsay is not just giving like random examples. This is like the life that she lives and she doesn't know this, but the, one of the very first interactions that we ever had, I think we had both had like no following at this point. And I had posted something on Instagram. I'm not sure what I had posted, but you commented on my Instagram picture and said, 
Wow, this was so good. We are kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. I remember and that. You, yeah, you identified with me, and that was the very beginning of our friendship. And so then we, I think we started like DMing each other, and then that's how it like. Mm-hmm went from there. But the point was, is that you were not intimidated by me and I haven't been intimidated by you. And so we have been able to compliment and cheer each other on. And you guys know, it's not like some secret, but Lindsay has like thousands, literally thousands more followers than I do. And I have not allowed that to threaten our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I haven't allowed it to threaten me as a woman. And that can be hard when you're in this industry is when you see someone else who's farther ahead of you or whatever it may be, but her success has nothing to do with my identity. And that's how I'm able to say, go, go accomplish all these things, do the things that God has called you to do and cheer her on and applaud her and compliment her and encourage her and not criticize her because she's not in competition with me. We're not in competition with each other. She is doing and sharing the gospel. And so I can cheer her on. Her accomplishments, her success has nothing to do with who I am as a woman. And so that's why you have to be incredibly confident and secure in who you are in Christ, because then you won't have scarcity and fear of man, and you won't feel the need to criticize someone when they are doing something well. Those are the relationships that the roots go deep when you're not in competition with one another, when you're not, when you can cheer each other on despite someone having something that you may not have at that time. I love that you remember that. That's so sweet. But yeah, I, well, and I do, I still feel that way. That's why we're doing this together. (laughs) But (laughs) I agree. And I've seen that when I first started Sparrows and Lily, and it's something that I want to do more, but my goal with it was like build women up. There's so many for me, like there were so many women in my city doing amazing things. And I just wanted to share what they were doing. And I love doing that because I know how much effort it takes to do anything. I mean, I know how much effort it takes to be a mom. I know how much effort it takes to be a wife. I know how much effort it takes to be in college. I know how much effort it takes to have a demanding career. All of these things are hard. We are our own worst critics. So why do we need other people criticizing us or shaming us or speaking poorly about us behind our backs when we are already hard enough on ourselves? But when we have these relationships where we can build one another up, all it does is move us both up. We're just propelling forward toward Christ. And if you have friendships, you guys, or relationships where the other person doesn't offer that support, where they don't offer that encouragement or rejoicing with you, just do it on your own. Like do it for Jesus, not to receive anything in return, Mm -hmm. but just allow yourself to say, this is my calling. I see something good in you and I'm going to speak it out loud. Right. Another piece of advice that I believe is super important in any relationship is to practice being slow to speak. In the book of James, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And to be slow to speak takes practice. If you are naturally a quiet and gentle spirit, 
I admire you so much. That is not <laughs> who I am. We applaud yeah. you. <laughs> but seriously. Help us. I know. Teach us your ways. Send us your tips. But it does, like for those of us who are not that way, it requires a daily intentional effort and a lot of self-control. When your toddler is throwing a tantrum and their 10th fit of the day, all you want to do is throw a tantrum right back and yell at them because you're displeased and you're discontent with them. You have to remember they need a listening ear. They need support and guidance. And when your spouse comes home from a hard day at work and they're short with you or kind of not in the mood that you expected them to be, our natural instinct might be to retract and just say, fine, then I'm not going to offer you anything. No, that is damaging. That is Satan. That is a lie. You are called to build him up. Even if he's not doing that for you, you can do that for him. Don't allow those manipulative words or the passive aggressive comments to start flowing out. You have to train yourself and rely on the Holy Spirit to keep your mouth quiet in those moments and to really pray through the question of, is this good? Is this worth what I'm about to experience with this person when I throw these comments out? Because our words that are accompanied by an angry tone at the wrong time or anything spoken really at the wrong time will fall upon deaf ears. They are not going to hear you in the way that you want to be heard in that moment. If you have something important to say and you're saying it during a yelling match, it's falling on deaf ears. It's not going to be something that builds up your relationship. It is going to slowly destroy your relationship. So speak with grace, speak slowly, listen quickly, and be slow to become angry because that is not of God. And it kind of leads to another point that I wanted to address And this is huge, you guys. This is so impactful because it's really practical and it's really easy to think of this before you open your mouth. Before you speak, ask yourself this. Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? That can be before you gossip. That can be before you speak to your spouse. In order for us to ask ourselves these questions, we have to step back and take a few minutes away from this argument or from this text message or from whatever is going on. Because in the midst of rampant emotion, it is physically and physiologically impossible to think logically. I don't know if you knew that. But make an agreement beforehand between you, your family, your friendships, that you will allow yourselves to have alone time and calm down after a disagreement before words are said so as to prevent any pushing or prodding in these heated moments. And Mm -hmm. as the dust settles and we allow these questions to be the gatekeepers of our words, is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? We will then be displaying the unconditional love that we are called to have. Yeah. So the last thing to end is that when you fail, which you inevitably will, you need to be able to ask for forgiveness without hesitation. And so I'll give you a funny story. Just two days ago, <laughs> I it was like six in the morning because that's the time that about the time that I get up and um, our baby was crying and I was very frustrated because that is not the way that I like to start my day, especially since that's going to be a lot of what I hear the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And my husband comes in and was like, why is he, you know, cause we've sleep trained our children. So they 
wake up and they get out of bed at about seven. And so our youngest, Finn, knows normally not to even like cry or anything until seven, but this was different this week. And so he started crying and my husband was like, I can't believe he's like this. And I said, well, this is your fault because you got him up earlier the other day. And then he just responded back and was like, well, that's rude. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to go outside then. And I knew immediately. So I'm. So this is kind of like how we fight. So it's normally I'm really tired. I'm still in my pajamas because I'm either about to go to sleep at 830 o'clock like Lindsay assumes. He always says that, 830 o'clock. <laughs> I don't know. Eight thirty p.m. I like it. Keep it. <laughs> I have never noticed that before. <laughs> Thank this you. And this to is all like the, the thousands of listeners. <laughs> this is like the fifth time she said it. I'm just like, this is a, a thing in your head. I really like it. <laughs> Do not edit this out. I'm not. I'm gonna leave it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So at 8.30 p.m., I guess, I'm in my jammies already, and I'm very tired at this point. And so this is the opportunity for me to be short when I'm tired. And to in our marriage, anything unkind is a fighting match for us. So if I say, I don't want to talk anymore, let's go to bed that's opportunity for a fight. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I mean, we're very, very, very guarded, my husband and I, with our words, just because we just don't want to give the opportunity for there to be discord between us. And so within like 20 minutes, I'm like, I'm sorry, can you please come cuddle mm -hmm. me? <laughs> <laughs> Please don't leave me. It's too early to be left. Um, and But the, the thing is, is that it's a real life example but you have the opportunity to say sorry quickly. So don't okay. allow pride to get in the way of you just saying, listen, that was below the belt. Or listen, that was unnecessary. It was unnecessary for me to blame it on my husband. When in reality, my child has a will of his own. And he will wake up when he wants to wake up, whether we have trained him to or not. Um, and so I don't need to blame that on my husband. And I should be able to take responsibility of the things that I say. And ultimately, God will hold me accountable to every word that I have uttered. Mm -hmm. And so I should be able to quickly apologize if my husband or if any person has said, listen, that that didn't settle very well with me. And I'll just say, I'm sorry. It's just not worth it to me. Mm -hmm. Honestly, the relationships that I have, it's just not worth it. If someone says, you hurt me when you said it this way, I'll just be like, I'm sorry. I had no intention of saying that or or I should not have said that at all. And so I will take ownership because relationship trumps everything yeah. and allow that to be the truth that sets the tone of your life, that the relationships around you trump everything. It trumps your pride. It trumps your plans for the day. The relationships trump everything. Because a lot of times that's what happens. We say these words quickly because of something that's going on within our hearts or in our minds, the way that we're thinking about ourselves, we're already frustrated with such and such situation, or our expectations have been shifted. And so then we speak off of missed expectations. And so we're disappointed or we're 
angry, but a lot of those times it still has so much to do with us. It has so much to do with our selfish desires and our wants and wishes. But don't risk a relationship just because you missaid something. It's mm, powerful. Any relationship, you guys, I heard this from an old man a long time ago, that any lasting relationship is made up of two very good apologizers and two great forgivers because it is going to be hard to be in any sort of relationship because we're sinners. We're going to say things that we don't mean. They're going to say things that they don't mean. And if we're not able to ask for forgiveness and to forgive, we're not going to have a lot of relationships in our lives. Ultimately, we have to remember that God has given us tremendous grace and we are called to give that tremendous grace right back. Right. Yeah. So in closing, we want to just encourage you today to offer life-giving words to the people around you, to the stranger at the coffee shop, make their day. And in the moments when you feel quick to criticize, remember the call to be slow to speak and slow to anger. And don't pick people apart, you know, build them up instead. Your words give you the power to give hope and the power to hurt, the power to build up and the power to tear down, the power to fill a relationship with life or to bring it to complete ruin. So what will you use your words for today? Well, as always, we are sad to see this conversation end. We always enjoy talking to one another and to you guys. If you enjoyed this episode, you will also like episode 14, How to Be a Safe Wife for Your Husband, as well as episode 11, How to Love Your People Well. We love you guys. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a second to visit our page on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It would mean so much to us. Your review helps the show to be found by other women like you, and it also helps us to continuously grow and become better as a podcast. For a daily pick-me-up, follow me, Lindsay, on Instagram at sparrowsandlily and amorous at amorousbeecher. Tune in next week for more laughter, fun, hope, and encouragement. Bye, guys.